Good afternoon, hello, 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 and welcome back to The Famous Five, uh, book four of The Famous Five, which is called, of course, Five Go to Smuggler's Top, and we are on chapter six, wow, so Here's chapter six. Sooty's stepfather and mother. Someone's coming, said George in a panic. What shall we do with Tim? Quick. Sooty took Timmy by the collar and shoved him into the old cupboard and shut the door on him. Keep quiet, he commanded. And Timmy stood still in the darkness, the hairs at the back of his neck standing up, his ears cocked. Well, began Sooty in a bright voice, perhaps I'd better show you where your bedrooms are now. The door opened and a man came in. He was dressed in black trousers and a white linen coat. He had a peculiar face. It's a shut face, thought Anne to herself. You can't tell a bit what he's like inside because his face is all... Shut and secret. Oh, hello, Block, said Sooty airily. He turned to the others. This is Block, my stepfather's butler, he said. He's deaf, so you can say what you like, but it's better not to, because though he doesn't hear, he seems to sense what we say. Anyway, I think it would be beastly to say things we wouldn't say in front of him if he wasn't deaf, said George, who had very strict ideas about things of that sort. Block spoke in a curiously monotonous voice. Your stepfather and your mother want to know why you have not brought your friends to see them, he said. Why did you rush up here? Here, like this. Block looked all around as he spoke, almost as if he knew there was a dog and wondered where he had gone to. George thought in alarm. She did hope the car driver had not mentioned to me. Oh, I was so pleased to see them. I took them straight up here, said Sooty. All right, Block, we'll be down in a minute. The man went, his face quite impassive. Not a smile, not a frown. I don't like him, said Anne. Has he been with you long? No, only about a year, said Sooty. He suddenly appeared one day. Even Mother didn't know he was coming. He just came and without a word changed into that white linen coat and went to do some work in my stepfather's room. I suppose my stepfather was expecting him, but... He didn't say anything to my mother, I'm sure of that. She seemed so surprised. Is she your real mother or a stepmother too? asked Anne. You don't have a stepmother and a stepfather, said Sooty scornfully. You only have one or the other. My mother is my real mother and she's Mary Bell's mother too. But Mary Bell and I are only half brother and sister because my stepfather is her real father. Oh, it's rather muddled, said Anne, trying to sort it out. Come on, we'd better go down, said Sooty, remembering. By the way, my stepfather is always being very affable, always smiling and joking. But 
it isn't real somehow. He's quite likely to fly into a furious temper at any moment. I hope we shan't see very much of him, said Anne uncomfortably. What's your mother like, Sooty? Like a frightened mouse, said Sooty. You'll like her all right. She's a darling, but she doesn't like living here. She doesn't like this house. And she's terrified of my stepfather. She wouldn't say so herself, of course, but I know she is. Mary Bell, who was too shy to have joined in any talking until then, nodded her head. I don't like living here either, she said. I shall be glad when I go to boarding school like Sooty, except that I shall leave Mother all alone then. Come on, said Sooty, and led the way. We'd better leave Timmy in the cupboard till we come back, just in case Block does a bit of snooping. I'll lock the cupboard door and take the key. Feeling rather unhappy at leaving Timmy locked up in the cupboard, the children followed Sooty and Mary Bell down the stone passage to the oak door. They went through and found themselves at the top of a great flight of stairs, wide and shallow. They went down into a big hall. At the right was a door and the sooty opened it. He went in and spoke to someone. Here they all are, he said. Sorry I rushed them off to my bedroom like that, father, but I was so excited to see them all. "'Your manners still need a little polishing, Pierre,' said Mr. Lenoir in a deep voice. The children looked at him. He sat in a big oak chair, a neat, clever-looking man, with fair hair brushed upwards and eyes as blue as Mary Bell's. He smiled all the time, but with his mouth, not his eyes.' "'What cold eyes!' thought Anne, when she went forward to shake hands with him. His hand was cold, too. He smiled at her and patted her on the shoulder. "'What a nice little girl,' she said. "'You'll be a good companion for Mary Bell. Three boys for Sooty and one girl for Mary Bell. Ha-ha!' He evidently thought George was a girl, a boy, and she did look rather like one. She was wearing jeans and jersey as usual, and her curly hair was very short. Nobody said that George wasn't a boy. Certainly George was not going to. She, Dick and Julian shook hands with Mr. Lenoir. They had not even noticed Sooty's mother. She was there, though, sitting lost in an armchair, a tiny woman like a doll with mouse-coloured hair and grey eyes. Anne turned to her. Oh, how small you are, she said before she could stop herself. Mr. Lenoir laughed. He laughed no matter what anyone said. Mrs. Lenoir got up and smiled. She was only as tall as Anne and had the smallest hands and feet that Anne had ever seen on a grown-up. Anne liked her. She shook hands and said, It's so nice of you to have us all here like this. You know, I expect that a tree fell on the roof of our house and smashed it. Mr. Lenoir's laugh came again. He made some kind of joke and everybody smiled politely. Well, I hope you'll have a good time here, he said. Pierre and Mary Bell will show you the old town. And if you promise to be careful, you can walk along the road to the mainland to go to the cinema there. Thank you, said everyone. And Mr Lenoir laughed, his curious laugh again. Your father is a very clever man, he said, suddenly turning to Julian, who guessed that he had mistaken him for George. 
I am hoping he will come here to fetch you home again when you go, and then I shall have the pleasure of talking with him. He and I have been doing the same kind of experiments, but he's got further than I have. Oh, said Julian politely. Then the doll, like Mrs Lenoir, spoke in her soft voice. Block will give you all your meals in Marybelle's schoolroom. Then you will not disturb my husband. He does not like talk at mealtimes, and that would be rather hard on six children. Mr Lenoir laughed again. His cold blue eyes looked intently at all the children. By the way, Pierre, he said suddenly, I forbid you to wander about the catacombs in this hill, as I have forbidden you before. And I also forbid you to do any of your daredevil climbing, nor will I have you acting about on the city wall now that you have others here. I will not have them taking risks. Will you promise me this? I don't act about on the city wall, protested Sooty. I don't take risks either. You play the fool always, said Mr Lenoir, and the tip of his nose turned quite white. Anne looked at it with interest. She did not know that it always did this when Mr Lenoir got angry. Oh, sir, I was top of my form last term, said Sooty in a most injured tone. The others felt certain that he was trying to lead Mr Lenoir away from his request. He was not going to promise him what he had asked. Mrs Lenoir now joined in. He really did well last term, she said. You must remember, enough, snapped Mr Lenoir, and the smiles and laughs he had so freely lavished on everyone vanished entirely. Get out, all of you. Rather scared, Julian, Dick, Anne and George hurried from the room, followed by Mary Bell and Sooty. Sooty was grinning as she shut the door. I didn't promise, he said. He wanted to take all our fun away. This place isn't any fun if you don't explore it. I can show you heaps of strange places. What are catacombs? asked Anne with a vague picture of cats and combs in her head. Winding secret tunnels in the hill, said Sooty. Nobody knows them all. You can get lost in them easily and never get out again. Lots of people have. Why are there so many secret ways and things here? wondered George. Easy, said Julian. It was a haunt of smugglers. And there must have been many a time when they had to hide not only the, their goods, but themselves. And according to Old City, there is still a smuggler here. What did you say his name was? Barling, wasn't it? Yes, said Sooty. Come upstairs and I'll show you your rooms. You've got a good view over the town. He took them to two rooms set side by side, on the opposite side of the big staircase from his bedroom and Mary Bell's. They were small but well furnished and had, as Sooty said, a marvellous view over the quaint roofs and towers of Castaway Hill. They also had a remarkably good view of Mrs. Bar Mr. Barling's house. George and Anne were to sleep in one room and Julian and Dick in the other. Evidently, Mrs. Lenoir had taken the trouble to remember that there were two girls and two boys, 
not one girl and three boys, as Mr Lenoir had imagined. Oh, nice cosy room, said Anne. I like these dark oak panels. Are there any secret passages in our room, Sooty? You wait and see, grinned Sooty. Look, there are your things all unpacked from your suitcases. I expect Sarah did that. You'll like Sarah. She's a good sort, fat and round and jolly. Not a bit like Block. Sooty seemed to have forgotten all about Tim, George reminded him. What about Timmy? He'll have to be near me, you know, and we must arrange to feed him and exercise him. Oh, I do hope he'll be all right, Sooty. I'd rather leave straight away than have Timmy unhappy. He'll be all right, said Sooty. I'll give him the free run of that narrow passage we came up to my bedroom by and we'll smuggle him out by a secret tunnel that opens halfway down the town and give him plenty of exercise each morning. Oh, we'll have a grand time with Timmy. George wasn't so sure. Can he sleep with me at night, she asked. He'll howl the place down if he can't. Well, we'll try and manage it, said Sooty, rather doubtfully. You've got to be jolly careful, though. We don't want to land in serious trouble. You don't know what my stepfather can be like. They could guess, though. Julian looked curiously at Sooty. Was your own father's name Lenoir too? he asked. Sooty nodded. Yes, he was my stepfather's cousin and was as dark as all the Lenoirs usually are. My stepfather is an exception. He's fair. People say the fair Lenoirs are no good, but don't tell my stepfather that. As if we should, said George. Gracious, he'd cut off our heads or something. Come on. Let's go back to Tim. Well, there you go. Are they going to manage, I wonder, to um, keep Tim hidden? Sounds a bit like an impossible task to me, don't you? Well, we shall find out later um, in the book. We're going to read chapter seven tomorrow. Um, so... Come back and join me for that. Um, right. So make sure that you have a good day. Make sure that you take care and stay safe. And make sure you come back and join me tomorrow for chapter seven. <laughs> OK, so bye for now.